thing out. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cooking anime with the BBP boy? <laughs> What's up, citizens? I am your V podcaster host, Jay Starks, and welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. Oh, yeah. And we are on episode 36. Hey. This is the fall 2022 season finale. Ah, go crazy. Go stupid. <laughs> well, we have a ton of things to talk about. So let's talk about what's on the menu for today. So, of course, we have our fall 2022 anime discussions for our A-side slate. And we'll be talking about several discussions such as giving others a second chance hmm are you capable of that we'll talk about some pros and cons of that shortly but we'll also be talking about what are you willing to sacrifice for success now you're most likely going to have to give up something to gain something in the end that's just kind of at worst, but we'll definitely be talking about that very shortly. And in addition, you know, for those that are watching us from our live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, we have our character analysis for My Hero Academia. We'll also be doing a fall 2022 anime tier list. And then to top that off, we have the BBP top five anime for 2022. Yes, we have wrapped up just about the anime year we're closing in getting very close to winter 2023 so i think it's time for us to talk about our top five and uh, we'll also be looking at anime for the upcoming winter 2023 season as well and we'll try to choose some prospects for our next season when we have our anime discussions all right well hey let's talk about some anime we have our first anime for discussion in our a-side slate and that is shinobi no itoki episode 12 titled itoki the ninja oh we doing ninja like things right i i'm already i'm seeing i'm seeing the ninja emojis right now in my head but uh in this episode itoki heads to koga headquarters to confront the ninja tribe's leader kido minobe to negotiate a peaceful solution however this exchange was very one-sided as itoki was met by violence with a vicious attack from kido now kido was just like look kid I ain't trying to hear what you're talking about, all these peaceful solutions and all that. No, I, I meant what I said. I said what I said, you know, and that's it. But uh, ultimately, Kido was given another opportunity from Itoki to denounce his past actions and turn himself in, which almost ended up in a very deadly decision uh, by Itoki. So, you know, sometimes when you, you give an inch, people will take a mile, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it made me think about Giving others a second chance, giving others a second chance. Has, has this been something that you are thoroughly experienced in? Because I know there's some people out there where it's like, man, I be giving people second chances left and right. I, you know, in return, I might not get it or, you know, they take advantage of the situation, what have you. But we're going to talk about a little bit of pros and cons of that. Now, you know, of course, I want to start out with 
the pros. So pros, pros to giving others a second chance. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is opportunity for redemption. Opportunity for redemption. Yes. Like, you know, when you're put in a position where you can give someone a second chance, it's their time where they can say, you know what? I made some, I made some mistakes. I, you know, I'm given another opportunity. Let me try to, you know, recover. Let me try to do better and prove that, you know, I'm not this type of person, you know, or prove that I can do better. And so allowing that person the opportunity to improve on something, you know, gives them that, that, that feeling of like, yes, like I was able to overcome my past trials and tribulations type of thing. Right. Another thing is returning the favor. Now you're asking like, okay, what do you mean by returning the favor, Jay? Um, Maybe there was someone that extended an opportunity to you to try again. Maybe they say, you know what? Hey, you know, Jay, I see that you're, you know, have errors in your ways, but I'm, I'm going to let you live. I'm going to give you another opportunity to make this right, to make this better, to improve, what have you. And so you see that yourself and you say, you know what? Because I was I was in this position and I was given a, another opportunity, I need to pay it forward and do the same for somebody else that may have made a mistake. And I think they have the opportunity to do better. And I mean, I think that's I think that's pretty fair, you know, to kind of give some people that latitude, right? Um, and then you also, as a pro, you can make it a teachable moment because sometimes, you know. People might not get a second chance because that first opportunity, it lends itself in their, you know, they, whatever the response may have been, they might not get another chance to learn from that. You know, and that's kind of the sad part about it. But if it is a time where like, hey, you know, you got a second chance and you got to learn a valuable, uh, you know, um, lesson out of this whole thing, then it turns out to be a completely different thing and could change a person's life like all the way through. And then now, you know, they kind of take that advice, share it amongst other people. And now you have a whole, uh, you know, community of folks that, you know, kind of branch off your tree and say, you know, hey, he started this. And now a lot of us have, you know, are, are better men or women or what have you because of it. Right. Um, but then you have your cons, you know, cons, cons to giving others a second chance. And <laughs> I think some people will say, oh, well, you know, this list could be very, very long. And I agree with you. <laughs> uh, but we have a few that I, you know, I want to share. I think the first con that comes to mind is um, when you give somebody another chance, it could end up harming you more in the end. And I mean, I feel like that's very straightforward of, of you know, when someone you you try to help somebody else, you give them a chance and the, you know, at the first chance, they'll backstab you. You know, they'll they'll make sure that they take it out on you and they don't feel any remorse at all. You know, and that's kind of it's so bad because I think about the good nature and a lot of people. And if they go through experiences like this, it makes them kind of go against their nature to help other people and say, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to try to, you know, uh, save other people uh, from their own you know, choices or what have you. You know, I'm just going to kind of bottle all of this up inside and live my life and make my own decisions and not worry about anybody else. And that might be hurt, hurtful for to them because in 
like once again in their nature they really want to assist they really want to help others but because of their past experiences you know it just won't allow them to so yeah you know harm you know definitely more harm can come to you in the end so got to be careful about that um another con is you never uh or rather that person never learned anything you know they became pretty much a repeat offender and now that's I'm not gonna lie. That's seriously annoying. Like when you give people chances and they keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's it's like really, like really, you you just not gonna learn from from any of this, any of the the things that you just done. And unfortunately, there are people out there that they don't want to get it. They they want to you know stay in that same. Uh, situation and they want to continue repeating the same uh, routines that they have and it's hard for them to shake that and you know sometimes you might not be the person to be able to do that for them to help them overcome that obstacle to break up that routine and to get them to see uh, the errors in their ways you know um, but then you know the I say another con would also be uh, you know don't not extending that grace to other people. And it's kind of a flip side of uh, the pros that we talked about before when you're returning a favor. Uh, you know, there's some people that say, you know what? Yeah, somebody gave me a, a second opportunity, but that's them. You know, now that it's happened to me, I, I'm not doing that because I'm not trying to have it backfire in my face or anything, you know, to that degree. And so it's, it, that's, and that, to me, that's so crazy. It's like, you're you willing to accept the help from others, but you're not willing to give it, you know, to, to, um, you know, another uh, person or individual or group of people. And that's, that's crazy. Like that's so crazy, but Hey, I mean, there's some people out there that's like, Hey, if it does not benefit me 1000%, then I'm not doing it, you know? And that's, it's tragic, but it, that's that's the world that we live in right <laughs> uh but you know I, i'm not now i'm i want to make this very clear i'm not saying that every person deserves a second chance you know i'm definitely not the person that that's advocating for that because there are some choices that people make even with me that are just you know complete deal breakers and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to straight up cut you off. You know, I'm, I'm, it's going to be over. If you fall into any of these extreme categories, I'm not dealing with you. Nah, I could, I would not poke you with a, with a stick. <laughs> uh, so of course, you know, in the end, it's up to you uh, to decide whether, you know, you'll give someone a second chance or not. So, hey, you know, I hope that these pros and cons served as a guiding light to you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our second anime discussion, and that is Blue Lock, episode 12, titled The Second Selection. Now, in this episode, Isagi discovers his new skill set after completing the Blue Lock organizer, Jinpachi Ego's first stage simulation. Um, now, Isagi, he enters this room where uh, he's pretty much instructed to form a team of three, like a total of three uh, members, soccer members and, or football, depending on where you are in the world. And uh, with this option, you know, they get to also choose their first opponent. So like, boom, like I see two people in the room that I would love to have on my team. I get them on my team and now I have the choice 
to select who I want the other three members that I want to go up against. And so with that being in mind, Isagi's ego just starts raging and says, you know what? I want to play against this team. And in this episode, that team happened to be the top three ranked players. So, you know, for those that are watching the live stream, you'll see the screenshot of Isagi and his team kind of facing off against his opponents. And yes, they literally are ranked the top three ranked players talking about one, two and three. Which is like I I think it's so dope because for someone like me that I, I I like to think I have somewhat of a competitive spirit, you know I I like the fact that Isagi is like I'm not backing down from any fade, you know I'm anybody can get it, you know and I like that type of attitude. But uh, so you know just kind of talking about that, it's like hey, you know when you're competing against the strongest opponent you know is this something that you may be comfortable with doing maybe you know or maybe you you don't do it at all but you know i can say that uh, for someone that does like competing against the strongest opponent uh if you're a competitor i feel like the first thing that you know that you probably are aware of is man it's boring to play against opponents that are weaker than you you know, I mean, just, you know, people that are not as skilled as you, not on the same level, you know, you just, it just almost like suffocates and takes the fun out of whatever you're involved in. And it's sad, but it's true. You know, like, it's like, I, I'm, I can't really level up. I can't get better. I can't do more. This is child's play. It's easy. You know, this becomes, it's too natural for me and I need a bigger challenge. Um, I feel like a good example for this would be um, in a short story time. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I used to play fighting games with my oldest brother and some of the kids in the neighborhood that I grew up. And I don't know what it is, but I just had this natural knack for being good in fighting games. You know, I mean, I would say in the very beginning, it took me a little bit of time to kind of grasp it. Um, but over time, as I played them more and more over years, I became pretty exceptional, like within, you know, my community. And eventually like, I just came to a point where it's like, man, I want to play stronger opponents. Now, the thing about being someone that's a competitor is, you know, why do I want to play stronger components? And I think the first thing is you want to measure yourself like, damn, OK, I believe that I'm really good, but how good am I really, you know? And if you don't play against stronger opponents, you don't really know kind of like where you fall in line. And I, I think, you know, you hear some of the sayings like survivor's guilt, survivor's guilt, where you you pretty much were kind of like the last man standing or the last person standing. And, you know, because of that survival and, and other people might have not have been able to succeed where you have been able to, but y'all came from somewhat of the same circumstances. You're, you know, you feel guilty about the success that you, that you have, you've been able to survive a certain situation and, you know, you feel bad about that because of what others experienced. Um, and then you pretty much avoid it. And I feel like the same thing goes for, uh, competitors where, you know, you have this kind of survivor's guilt when it comes down to competition, because you want to know, okay, 
am I a fraud or not? You know, am I really good at these fighting games? You know, that's what I ask myself. Am I really good at these fighting games? The only way I can really tell is if I go against stronger opponents. And once you go against those straight uh, stronger opponents and you see kind of like how close you are in matches and things of that nature, you start to realize like, okay, no, I, I'm, I'm not a fraud. You know, like I actually can hang with the, the big boys. <laughs> then that's me. <laughs> uh, but and then you also have the saying iron sharpens iron, right? You hear that uh, from time to time. And it, it, it it's so true because uh, the stronger players that you have or that's surrounding you, the stronger that you generally will get. Now, I'm not saying that there's not moments where you could be around stronger play opponents or stronger players, teammates, and you might not really improve that much, you know, and it could be that you just don't have the talent, you know, to do it. And that sucks because, I mean, I, you know, you hear the argument between talent and skill a lot. And, you know, and so I feel like in a lot of respects, skill is probably way more important than talent because, raw, you know, raw talent, if it's not honed, if it's not sharpened, you probably won't go very far compared to someone that, you know, really learn a certain set to get, you know, in, along with their talent to get better, you know, and I, the first person that kind of comes to mind is uh, someone like LeBron James, you know, if you're, you know, for those that y'all might be uh, into basketball, you know, you may not have no, you may not actually watch NBA basketball at all, but you heard the name LeBron James. There's, <laughs> there's pretty much like no avoiding it, but that shows you because his name rings bells, that shows you exactly how skillful and talented he is. And, you know, he has uh, by far um, a, uh, you know, just uh, uh, history of, uh, doing well, you know, within the uh, National Basketball Association. So, but yeah, you know, hey, that is competing against the str stronger opponents. You know, I definitely would like to know how y'all feel about that when it comes down to, um, you know, go against somebody that's stronger than you. You know, is this something that you'd be willing to do or not? Please let me know in the comments below. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our next anime for discussion. And that is The Eminence in Shadow, episode 12, titled The Truth Within the Memories. Man, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, that the title is kind of hard. Like it is pretty tough. I, I, it, and it, it really follows through with kind of the plot of this episode. But uh in this episode, Sid is followed by a uh, cast the spell so the spell just kind of like follows him everywhere he goes and he can't escape it and and so it turns out that this door like spell is um you know take that takes him to another dimension and so apparently with no choice because this door seems to keep following Sid he just decides you know what I'm going to enter the door and see what happens and once he goes and enters this door and comes into a whole new dimension uh, he ends up meeting Aurora, the Witch of Calamity, again, which in the previous episode, he, you know, uh, pretty much fought her. And then she got kind of recalled back to uh, wherever location she's from. And so Aurora explains to Sid, hey, you know, uh, we're currently trapped inside of this dimension. But guess what? I know how both of us can escape. All I have to do is 
confront the past. And, you know, so as they're wandering through this whole dimension door area, they begin to walk in these different planes. And uh, shortly they run into this little girl whose resemblance is strikingly that of Aurora herself. So you have, you know, this this lady who tells you, hey, like we can, you know, I know how we can get out. We just got to confront the past. And then all of a sudden you get, you meet this little girl that looks just like her, but she's just a tiny person. Right. <laughs> and so uh, the, the topic I want to discuss is confronting your past, because, you know, if you look at this image, for those that are watching the live stream, you can see uh, Aurora looking at this childlike person that looks just like her. And I mean, this is really a symbol of confronting the past. And um, now I think for most people, this is something that, you know, it's really difficult to overcome. And it's mainly because we are all somewhat prisoners of our memories. And, you know, I, now I can't remember the podcast that I heard this from, but basically in the show, they were saying that the chemicals that come from depression, sometimes they can be addictive to us. And even though we are not you know, consciously aware of it, now, now I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I, that this is exactly what it is because I'm not a scientist, biology, biology, biologist, or, you know, that's just to name a few different professions. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's true. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that, you know, these chemicals that come from depression or whatnot, you can become somewhat addicted to it unconsciously. You know, you're not even thinking about it, but you're kind of feeding off that because of those raw emotions that's happened to you that, yeah, innately, like you don't feel all that great about it because you're crying or whatever the case may be. But those, uh, uh, but you're, you're kind of unconsciously enjoying that, uh, or at least your mind is, you know, as it's feeding you these chemicals. So it, it, I don't know, it kind of makes sense to me. It's, it's like that dopamine effect, you know, it's almost a reverse effect where, if you eat something sweet or whatnot and you have this sugar rush and you feel good and you feel great and you start applying that to like good moments that you had in your life. Well, you know, who's not to say that that same feeling can't happen from bad feelings or a bad taste uh, that's left in your mouth as well. So, yeah. Um, Now, I think a good example for um, this, you know, kind of being a prisoner of your memories, uh, would easily be, you know, those people that might constantly talk about what they accomplished in high school. I know that you know that person or persons, <laughs> uh, you know, or, you know, the moments that they had when they were in college. And, you know, those people, I got to say, uh, it's me. <laughs> I'm people. <laughs> but no, seriously, you know, sometimes those past experiences can be changed to us and, you know, hold us back from going out and creating new experiences because of how much our past has shaped the perception of our present, you know, and our, 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 in the future. And yeah, you know, even myself, you know, there's been things that have happened for, uh, to me in the past where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do these certain things because of A, B, and C that happened. And, you know, it's the crazy thing is, and I'm sure that some of you might be able to, um, uh, uh, I'm not gonna say accept this, but rather 
y'all say, yeah, like I, I, I share the same feeling, Jay, is we know that. <laughs> like we know that these things are shackling us and causing us not to go out and have new experiences. But a part of us is like, you know what? We are very comfortable in the not knowing, <laughs> the the comfortability of knowing that, hey, you know, if, if I stay within this small little bubble here, that I'll, you know, not, not much harm can come to me, you know? And I, I you know, we know that that's something that we uh, should improve on. And, you know, hey, you know, maybe I'll have the strength one day to overcome some of those obstacles. And I hope you do too. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is. Bleach season 17, AKA blood. What is it? <laughs> what is it? A thousand year blood war episode 11 titled everything, but the rain. I can't stand the rain. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, in this episode of Bleach, we receive a flashback of the former captain of the 10th Division, Ishin Shiba, who receives uh, news in Soul Society that Shinigami were being murdered in the human world. Now, alarmed by this information, Ishin informs his squad, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be leaving Soul Society for a few days because I want to investigate this matter myself. And upon arriving in this new world or human world, I should say, not new, <laughs> uh, he discovers the strong creature behind these attacks, murdering these Shinigami. And it turns out to be a black hollow. Now, after confronting this black hollow, Ishin starts to find himself being outmatched, like, I mean, the Black Hollow was pretty much whooping his ass. <laughs> I mean, he was getting dragged. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad, you know. And so, uh, you know, almost being on the brink of death and having this fight, at a moment's notice, he ends up getting saved by a powerful young lady whom wanted to protect others that are in danger. Man. And so this lady, you know, she comes out of any nowhere seemingly for him and protects him. And I, I could not help but think about someone that was just doing the right thing, you know, doing the right thing. You know, some people find that hard to do while others feel like it's a natural thing to do. But uh, I, I definitely want to read a uh, kind of a quote that comes from this powerful young lady, because I feel like it totally embodies what doing the right thing is. Now, she says, to me, taking better care of myself means doing what I can when I can. If I follow customs and let someone die today when I had the chance to prevent it, I know my future self will never forgive me. Dang. I mean, I mean, that was just, that was a powerful, powerful statement. And I'm just thinking like, yes, like I, I know how that feels when it's like you really, you know, are just wholesome and want to do the right thing. And, and knowing that if you didn't do something to help others, that it would just tear you up inside. And, you know, I, I think in this moment, like I, I really want to give our members, uh, especially in the healthcare profession, 
Because I, I really do believe that most of them share the same sentiment of, you know, hey, I'd feel terrible not saving someone's life, helping others rehabilitate, making others' lives more tolerable, whatever it can with the skills um, that I have to care for them, you know. And uh, another part of it is, like, I imagine the terrible feeling that they might have when they, you know, can't help a patient. But I think that the, it's easier for them to kind of overcome that over time, knowing, you know what, I did the best that I could in that moment. And, you know, that's and that's just something I feel like it really needs to be applauded even more because people are essentially putting their livelihoods on the line to help others. And, you know, that's not a, a not an easy feat at all. But, um, you know, a part of doing the right thing, I feel like, um, you know, or I should say when you're doing the right thing, seeing someone that needs help uh, and providing them assistance, like that's definitely a part of doing the right thing. You know, if I see someone and, and I know that they are in trouble, you know what? Hey, you know what? Let me run a, a, to the scene and try to help them out the best way that I can. Uh, now, here's the thing about that. I understand that the fear of helping someone because you don't know if you have the, you know, the knowledge, the experience, the strength, and, and sometimes the mental fortitude to take care of someone that might be in need. So when you think about all those different things that you might feel like you're lacking, it's, man, I can't, I can't, um, you know, gather up the, the, the fortitude to help this person because I don't think that I'm the right person for the job and I might end up doing more harm than good. Right now I can tell you, you know, there are many things that I'm, well, probably not many, few things, a few things. Let me, let me give myself a little credit, <laughs> uh, but there's a few things that I feel that I'm not capable of, you know, and I know this for a fact. Um, but unfortunately, you know, some would say, you know, Hey, you know, you should still try no matter what. And then you have others that'll say, uh, don't ever do it because you'll make matters worse. But, you know, I, I feel like the saying goes, you know, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And so I don't think that there's really like a, a, Def definite like answer like oh yes you should do the right thing and help people every time or you shouldn't do it because you'll make matters worse i think it's a case-by-case -case situation you know you have to um you know kind of read the situation and, and and make a choice based on you know the information that's kind of prevented and or or you know presented to you and you know kind of go from there and and in the end you know you have to make peace with that decision that you made whether it was to help someone or to not help them for someone because of reasons that you have, you know, and, you know, me personally, like, I'm not going to judge you, you know, I'm not going to be like, Oh, like you're just the scum of the earth because you didn't do anything. And like, nah, you might be very weak minded and you really could make, make matters worse where not only one person gets hurt, but two people now hurt. So you never know. Okay. We move, we move to our next anime for discussion. And that is Chainsaw Man, episode 11, titled Mission Start. Start, please. <laughs> uh, in this episode, Aki arrives at the uh, public safety division in an attempt to form a contract with the future devil. 
Now, here's the thing, you know, for those of y'all that have not watched Chainsaw Man uh, at all or don't know anything about it. Now, in, in this uh, anime, characters have the ability to make deals with devils to obtain these special powers. However, the individual has to sacrifice something to the devil as payment in exchange for their power. And so, you know, you got to you got to give something to get something, basically. Right. Um, and so knowing this process, Aki accepts any payment. He's like, I don't care what you want, you know, devil you want to take from me. I'm willing to give you whatever if it's going to help me accomplish my goals in the end. Now, of course, this makes Aki uh, a pretty much a national treasure because he said that. Because I, I really do believe that most people, when you're watching, you know, TV shows, anime, whatever, we like badasses. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing you can't get across it. Like anybody that has this just knack of like, I'll face whatever adversity that comes my way, they end up becoming very beloved. So I just have to believe that this episode, I mean, of course, it's previous episode, but definitely this episode, Aki's uh, popularity votes just they up, <laughs> they just up all the way up. But uh, so, yeah, you know, just knowing this, it made me think about the topic for what will you sacrifice for success? Truly, like, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to succeed? You know, and the thing is, you know, it, it's, and it's true, you know, if you want to succeed in something nine times out of 10, you're going to have to sacrifice something. You know, there's really no way around it. You know, you're going to be giving up something in return. Uh, and you know, there's a list of things that I can think of when it comes to things that you might sacrifice for success. And so, you know, hopefully me putting some of these things on your mind, you know, maybe you might make a decision of sacrificing something because you want to get, uh, the, you know, achieve your ultimate goal in the end. So the first thing that comes to mind is money. <laughs> I mean, you got to have money, right? If you know, and they say, hey, it, you know, uh, you got to spend money to make money, you know, or it takes money to make money, you know, something to that uh, degree. Uh, and uh, there's oftentimes where you might have to spend money uh, to get things in return, you know, and or it could be that money is something that you need in order to achieve your goals. And so there's so many different layers when it comes down to money and yeah, you have to you have to take the time and kind of decide like, okay, you know, am I going to sacrifice some of these other things in order to make more money, or am I willing to spend money in order to achieve my ultimate goal in the end? Uh, then you also have friends and family. You know, friend, you know, sacrificing uh things with your friends or your family and this could be time spent with them which i'm actually going to talk about time here in a moment uh but it could be activities it could be going out and partying uh hanging out uh i mean several different things you know and i i can honestly attest to this friends and family portion for sure because uh you know when you're you know me as a v podcaster because that's what what I do. <laughs> uh, you know, podcasting is something that it takes time. You know, if as you're building your program, you know, and and having structure to how you want to do things, and but also listening for feedback because you know, believe it or not, that's something that I love from our viewers is sometimes we get 
criticism and, and say, hey, you know, do you mind considering this, you know, to change the show? And, and, and hopefully I think it'll really make it better. Uh, and, you know, because of all these bits and pieces that come together to try to improve um, this platform, you know, that takes time to kind of get, you know, get the resources together, um, work with your team, you know, if you have a team and, you know, try to improve um, your project, you know, and some of that will also usually mean that you, now the time that you probably would have used to spend with your family and friends, instead you're using that to, you know, work on your uh, projects or side hustles or whatever it is that you got going on. And so, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, if you really want something hard enough, you might have to sacrifice those moments with your family and friends for that in the end. Uh, then goes to time, you know, and time, time is one of those things where it's really a, a part of like everything, you know, so far we've talked about money and family and friends, but you know, that and the other ones that we're going to talk about here shortly, like Tom pretty much has his hands in everything <laughs> and there's, there's really no way around it. That's just how, how it goes. You know, you, you know, time is of the essence and if you, whether you're spending a lot of time on something because you want to succeed or a short amount of time on something because you want to succeed, you know, time is going to play a factor one way or another. And I like, you know, I'm not saying that you have to spend a lot of time on something to succeed because I, I am a true per proponent of like, you know, uh, work smarter, not harder, you know, and a lot of times, at least for me, that sentiment of working smarter, not harder is not having to invest as much time because you found, you know, improvements in your practices to shorten that time up so you can use that time wisely. And, you know, whatever time you have left over, you may be able to spend that with friends and family. Right. And so, yeah, you know, time is definitely a, a very important factor. And, you know, you definitely we have to sacrifice uh, some of our time in order to be, be successful. Um, another thing that you might have to sacrifice is your private life. <laughs> Man, I look, this is another one of those things where, yeah, I, I can, I, I'm definitely a uh, breathing example of that. And um, I don't have a private life. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm not gonna say that. I abandoned my private life. You know, I, I try to have some of it, you know, remnants of it where I might uh hang out with a, a bestie or you know, communicate with some partners, you know, at once a month, you know, or something to that degree, you know. And I, I know that sounds tragic, doesn't it? <laughs> but no, it's true, you know, there's there's moments where you know I had to make decisions that hey, you know what, my private life. Uh, isn't as important right now. I need to, you know, utilize all my time and resources and put this towards, you know, whatever it is I'm working on that I'm trying to succeed in. And, you know, someone like myself, you know, I, I miss, you know, just my own personal experiences. I've done so much in life already that I really don't feel like I'm missing out on much when it comes down to my, my private life. So I have no problem making that investment in, you know, other things that I'm projects that I'm a part of or things that I'm working on to make sure that they are, are successful in the end. So, Hey, word to the wise, like, Hey, if you're, you're living life out there and living it up, you know, you might end up regretting that on 
on the on the flip side, you know, as you get older. Uh, but hey, you know, there. But you never know, you know. Even in that, in those opportune times, maybe that partying and everything that you do in the beginning, you still might be afforded those opportunities later, uh, and and still uh, enjoy things as time goes on. So you know, I feel like there's really no right answers to this, uh, but I really do think that you know when you do apply yourself as early as possible, you know, things kind of become a little easier over time. So, hey, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> uh, another thing is fun. You know, you sacrifice your fun or entertainment, however you want to look at it. And yeah, that kind of goes with private life in a little way, uh, uh, in some ways, because yeah, that fun, all that comedy, that and enjoying yourself and all that, no, sometimes what you, you know, if, if you have a goal in mind that you're really trying to achieve, that might mean that fun has to go out the window. You know, you, you gotta, it's crunch time. You know, you gotta spend all this, these waning moments on, Hey, I got this outline of things that I'm trying to do to, in order to accomplish, uh, you know, my, my goals in the end. And in order to do that, I had to knock off this entertainment, all this fun, that I'm having. So that means no more video games, <laughs> no going to the movies, no clubbing, no hanging out. That could mean all those different things. It's kind of intertwined with your private life. And I don't know, for me, I, I, I at least with the fun and entertainment, I, I, I do, I deal with it in increments where, you know, I might play the game for 30 minutes, you know, in a given day or an hour within a given day. And then, you know, I, arranged times with my family and friends I'm like hey okay this is when i'm gonna be available when we can do something but after that you know it's I, i'm back on you know go time on work time to get you know get things done so you know but you know I, once again i'm a capricorn so uh trying to be organized and i i do mean trying because i, I don't think that i'm the best when it comes down to time management but, you know, when it comes down to like kind of organizing things in the grand scheme of everything, I feel like I'm, you know, pretty good at that. Uh, and then lastly, I want to talk about is sleep. You know, sleep is definitely something that you'll probably sacrifice in order to become successful. Now, I'm going to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of this because, you know, you hear people that made songs talking about I don't get tired and, you know, I got all these jobs and I'm working hard to make ends meet and everything. And I'm just, I, I don't need to rest at all. And I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't, I, I really don't, you know, it kind of goes back to that work smarter, not harder. And if you're just depriving yourself of sleep, don't that sleep is going to hit you one way or another, you know, it's going to come back. You know, and when it does come back, it's usually tenfold. You know, it's going it's going to hit you with some uppercuts, <laughs> some 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 raw jabs, some all of that because you know sleep is just it's such an important thing. And you know, if y'all read my description, you know that I consider myself a pro napper, and I will take a nap in a heartbeat if I if I'm feeling sleepy or even a remnant of sleepy. I'm laying down. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go sit down somewhere and close my eyes. And sometimes that might just be re like laying down, resting my eyes for 10 minutes. And that's good. But I need something that kind of like settle myself, you know, settle my thoughts 
uh, or make me feel, you know, rejuvenated and sleep definitely helps me do that. So, um, <laughs> you talk to some of my homies, they'll tell you, yeah, Jay, oh, he, he'll sleep at eight plus hours. Easy. Some days, 10 hours, 12 hours of sleep. Yeah. I, I go, I go long. <laughs> so, Hey, let's go ahead and jump right in with our first or six anime for discussion and that is more than a married couple but not lovers episode 11 titled more than a confession but not yet a broken heart man now this title is kind of like okay what's going to happen because it's talking about okay they didn't have a broken heart just yet so Somebody kind of got let off easily. What, what, what's really going on? But yeah, in this episode, um, after losing her phone, Akati finally gets the opportunity to share her feelings with Minami in a one-on-one -on -one conversation without any interruptions at all. Now, unfortunately, Minami stated that he was in love with someone else. Oh, oh, tragic. Dang, dang, why, why you have to be in love with somebody else, Minami? I mean, <laughs> yes, Minami says, hey, I'm sorry, but I love someone else. And I, I, unfortunately, I cannot return those feelings back to you, Akati. And so Akati just kind of thinking about all those moments and everything that she's done to kind of give it her best shot to share her feelings with Minami. She begins to cry and you can kind of see that for those that are watching the live stream. It's like, oh, like, please, Akali, don't cry. You know, you just you want to see her in her happy mode. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, we got to discuss getting rejected by your crush. You know, is there something that you have experienced before? Something, you know, maybe a friend of yours has recently gone through this. Um. And I, I, in my, I say experience wise, like I, I've been rejected once, twice, I think it was definitely once or twice. I, I gave it at least that many times it happened. Um, and friends wise, I've seen a couple friends get rejected, but not as frequently as you would think. And I, I feel like there's reasons for that, which we'll get into here in just a moment. And so the first thing um, that I'd say of why, you know, probably so many people don't, uh, you know, experience rejection maybe is because feelers, you know, you're putting out feelers uh, and, you know, so some of you may be like, okay, well, what do you mean by putting out feelers, Jay? Like, I mean, you say that, but what does it really mean? Well, um, feelers are like really just filling out the situation. You know, you might speak to your crush's best friend, you know, or a group of home girls or homeboys, you know, and ask them like, Hey, you know, do you, um, you know, do you have, you know, do you, do you happen to know if this person is single and, you know, do you think that they would have an interest in me or whatnot? Now, of course, you know, you got to be careful of how you tread with that because, you know, the friends might be like, oh, no, like she don't won't like you or whatever and might not truly know exactly how the person really feels deep down. And so they're only given their own perspective and maybe even like 
you know, a hint of how they actually feel about you. So it's really not about them. It's about how they feel. And so that can suck and backfire on you sometimes. Um, but then you have, but I would say there's also moments where when you put out those fillers and maybe you are around this person a little bit more frequently, or maybe occasionally you're around this person that you're attracted to, that you have a crush on. And, you know, you may say a couple things as kind of like hints or pointers to see if they take the quote unquote bait. And if they do, it might mean that they fancy you, that they like you, that they're attracted to you in some way. Now, that's another thing where you got to be careful of because you might have been friend zoned and don't even know it. <laughs> you might be in the permanent friend zone and there's no way out. And so um, now I, I, I am one of those people that feels like if we truly are friends, but I have feelings for you and are, you know, and romantic feelings for you. And I, I feel like I should be comfortable in coming to you and saying like, hey, you know, I, I actually like you. And if I get rejected, you know, I'm probably okay because in the end, I still think that we'll be friends, you know, most likely. Now, I can see the other side of it where it's like, man, I don't, like, I know I could, I can tell this person because we're so tight, we're so cool that I like them on, you know, uh, more um, sexually. But at the same time, like, if I say something to them, it could end up ruining our, our friendship, our relationship. And I really don't want that to happen. So, you know what? I'm just going to tuck these feelings away and I'm cool with us just remaining friends until the end. And man, I'll be honest. That, like, to me, that's like the saddest story because honestly, that person could be your, per that could be your person. That person could be someone that wants to spend the rest of their life with you and might have, the same feelings, but they feel exactly as you did where they don't want to be the one to kind of ruin their friendship. So they don't want to take a leap of faith and step out on those feelings that they have for you. And man, some, you just got to let it rip. Sometimes you just got to go for it, go all in and hope that that's reciprocated. And if not trust that, you know, y'all friendship is strong enough to where y'all can continue to be friends, uh, you know, throughout, throughout, throughout it all. Right. Um, However, I can also say that, you know, sometimes there won't be uh, a response in that moment. And and I kind of, what I mean by that with the fillers is you might, um, you might put those fillers out and in return as you're, you know, getting feedback from the person that you're crushing on, they might, you know, give you certain signs that they're not feeling you at that moment, but you know, maybe a month from now, two months from now, whatever, they could come back around and give you a totally different response. So uh, you got to, you know, it, it takes time, you know, and, and for, I think, uh, I mean, if, honestly, if you really want the answer, just go get it. But if you're, you know, putting out feelers and, and you kind of testing the waters out there, you know, there can be a ton of different mixed signals that can come your way. And so, you know, you kind of got to, go based on, you know, the, the information that you have available to you, you know, unless you try to do more to gain more information. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, dealing with rejection, you know, some ways that you can deal with rejection. I, you know, the first thing is talk with a trusted friend or family member 
I mean, that's really like the, one of the best things to do, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes that friend, if they know you well enough, they, you know, or family member know you well enough, they might joke around with you just a little bit and not so much at you, but kind of like to make the, the situation a little bit more lighthearted. But that's if they know that you're someone that can kind of take a joke a little bit. But then you have others that if they really know you well and you trust them, y'all built that, that trust over time, then they know like, okay, I don't want to, I'm not going to cross this certain boundary because I know it'll rattle you and make matters worse. So let me do something to try to, you know, uh, remind that person that, Hey, I'm here for you no matter what. And, you know, we'll, we'll get through this and you'll be able to move on confidently, uh, you know, over time. Um, and man, like, I'm trying to think, like, I don't think, I feel like with my friends and family, like I never really had to, when I, when I was rejected, I never had to come to them and, and tell them like about my rejection or like, yeah, it was known, but I think that they knew I was strong enough in the matter that it wouldn't have been something that would break me or make me feel bad or anything like that. And I'd get over it pretty quickly. And so, um, but you know, it kind of goes down to, you know, things that you say you, you may hear of, you know, check on your uh, quiet friends or check on your, um, you know, your, your friends that seem like they're always happy or in a good mood because you never know what they might be going through. And so I, you know, I can say that not everybody might have the same experience as me and be able to deal with moments like that. So, you know, you know, of course, as I always say, you know, if you feel like you are really having a big deal um, or issue dealing with something like uh, being rejected and it's having an effect on you to where you're depressed or not, hey, go out and seek professional counseling and care. You know, speak to someone, get into a group therapy session, do something, but don't just stew in those thoughts because those usually turn out worse for you than better in the end. Um, another thing that I would say in dealing with rejection is uh, acknowledge you did your best. You know, just like Akati did with Minami, you know, even though she was emotional about it, she had, uh, you know, some, some, you know, it was kind of like a silver line in, in it all of, you know what, at least I did all that I could to show that I cared about this person. And even if they didn't want to receive me, at least I put it all out there and I won't have feelings of regret. You know, and that I think that's important, like that, because having regrets, you know, really can um, be something that uh, can be somewhat that can lead you into depression, too. And, you know, I feel like, you know, in order to avoid those woulda, coulda, shoulda moments, you know, I just try to do what I think, I, you know, what I feel like is best for me. Uh, or what's really itching at me. You know, if it's something I really want to do or someone that I really like in this situation, then I'm going after them, you know, like, and, and seeing if, you know, my my feelings can be reciprocated. And if not, it's okay. You know, I at least I tried, you know, and I can kind of, sit, you know, sit on my loins knowing that I did, you know, I did try. Um, And then speaking of trying, you know, another thing when it comes down to dealing with rejection is, you know, ways that you can deal with it is try again later. <laughs> like, seriously, like, you know, maybe that person doesn't have feelings for you now, but maybe six months from now, a year from now, things might change. You know, maybe you had that TikTok 
glow up. <laughs> and, and you know, you 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 now resurfacing and you have a whole different aura and look about yourself, you know, and that can honestly, you know, those things can change people's minds later, you know. Now, I will say this, you know, you have to be careful about trying, you know, later with somebody that you're crushing on because this can be more dangerous. Um, you know, especially if the, the person that you're interested in has pretty much let you know with some very sharp responses that, hey, you know, I'm just not romantically interested in you and that's final. You know, there, there's there's nothing that's really moving me away from this. I'm, I'm never going to really find you attractive or someone that I would want to date. And, you know, if those signs are there, if that communication has been made, then you're just going to have to bow out gracefully, you know, and, you know, what could end up happening is that person comes back and takes it back, you know, and say, you know what, I had a change of heart, but you allow them that latitude to kind of come that way and, and, and express that, hey, the door's back open. Uh, now you may have different reserves about that. You know, you might feel some type of way like, oh, like you rejected me and you were pretty harsh about that. And now I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Or you might have not had any feelings about it at all. And, you, you know, you were like, okay, I respect it and I want to move on. And when the opportunity presents itself, if it does again, then, you know, if I still like you, I'll, I'll take you up on that offer. Um, I think a great example of that, you know, a, a small story time for y'all <laughs> that was kind of similar with me with when it comes down to trying again. Um, so my high school sweetheart, which uh, I don't know if I can really call it that because it's not like we're not, we're not together, but um, you know, there, uh, uh, the person I was, I really liked that I was crushing on really hard. I went to her uh, close friend or best friend at the time and I, I said, like, hey, like, I I'm, I can't stop thinking about uh, your friend. You know, like, she's super attractive. And not only that, but she seems, like, very smart. And, you know, I, I, I just want to know, you know, is, you know, is she, would she date me? Is something that she would be interested in, in me at all? And she's like, uh, she might be. Um, but let me ask her, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see. And so... She goes, or her friend goes to her and says, like, hey, you know, Jay really, really likes you. Uh, thinks you're, you know, attractive, blah, blah, blah. You know, wh what do you think about him? Now, here's the thing, like, kind of a backstory about this. Unbeknownst to me, uh, the girl that I like's friend actually liked me, too. And so I don't know if they had a conversation about, like, nah, girl, you go ahead and try to Holler at him, you know, like, don't you liked him first, you know, or, or you liked him. Like, I don't even like him like that. So I don't know what if that conversation ever happened, but I do know for a fact that she, you know, the the friend liked me. And so uh, the information came back to me that, nah, you know, she's not feeling you. You know, she, <laughs> uh, oh, you thought I was feeling you? I don't know. I don't know. That, that had to come out, right? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you know she wasn't she wasn't feeling me and she's like uh and she basically said the reason why is you know she thinks that you're a good boy that you're you know you follow all the rules that you um you know you don't really have any personality really and man <laughs> i was so far from the truth like so 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 far from the truth i was nothing 
like that description that she read it out. Now, I, w- I would say this. For those that are listening to me now, you know, on the pod, you might say that. You might feel like, oh, Jay is just a completely, like, good person and hasn't had any, like, bad run-ins or dealings, does all the right things and all that. No. <laughs> I just no. I have somewhat of a checkered past. Now, I'm not saying I was just this awful, you know, bully or anything. Like, no, I was never anything like that. But uh, the idea of me just being this, a cookie cutter point Dexter type of kid. Nah, I was, I wasn't that. Unfortunately, I would have liked to have been that person because you know, Hey, being nerdy and all that is, is cool. And you know, I accept that role that I'm in now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so eventually over time, um, I end up meeting one of my cousins who happened to like live like right next door to her at the time. And she was, you know, we were just talking about people that we were attracted to or whatever. And she's like, Jay, like, I know you got to like somebody at the school. Who you, Who's your crush? Who do you like? And I told my cousin, you know, the, the name of the girl that I liked. And she says, wait, what? Are you serious? She literally lives like three houses down from me from here. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Are you serious? She's like, yeah. So she says, you know what, hold on. I'm going to go talk to I'm going to go get her right now. So she goes out, goes to uh, her house. I guess they have a conversation. They come out. They come uh, back to the to my cousin's house. And she's literally there. And I'm just kind of like in shock this whole time. <laughs> I'm in shock. I'm like, wait, like this, is this really happening to me? And so we, you know, the girl that I, I had a crush on, we end up having like hours worth of conversation. And me just kind of sharing my story and telling her a little bit about myself and giving her more depth to who I was and the things that I've been through. And she was like, at the end of it, she was like, dang, like I didn't know this was you. And she's like, I was talking to your cousin and I was explaining, you know, why I wasn't really feeling you. And she was like, no, you need to talk to my cousin because whatever you think about him that's not him. <laughs> and yeah. So it, it's, it was, you know, definitely an awesome thing that I had my cousin there kind of cheerleading for me and helped me out. You know, she was, she was the help <laughs> and not necessarily that every uh, moment, you know, can go favorable like that to someone else that might have a crush on someone. But I'm, I'm just, what I'm telling you in the end is that, Hey, you know, sometimes you do have to try later and it might form itself in a different manner than you probably expected. And it couldn't, could end up uh, meaning that you get the person that you like in the end. So, Hey, you know, uh, good luck to you uh, in, in hopes that you don't have to deal with rejection and you get the the person that you like but if not you know hopefully some of these keys to dealing with rejection will serve you greatly <laughs> all right let's move on to our next anime for a discussion and that is season three of welcome to demon school Edomakun. Episode 12, titled, Wish Upon Your Bow. I'm wishing on a star. Ooh, see, I, nah, nah, nah. I had, to do the, I had to do the whisper singing because if I let this true radiance out, y'all are just going to be like, oh, Jay, karaoke's please. We need them. We need them for ASAP. 
like, nah, 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 baby. I I do podcasting. That's that's what I do. <laughs> but no, in this episode of Demon School, Edema gets attacked by Autobus Coco, whose bloodline ability is called Trauma. Now, Trauma is uh, an ability which recreates illusions of his opponent's greatest fears. And so after falling from a cliff into a rocky cave, Edomus begins to hallucinate and has to build the strength to overcome his demons. Man, that's gotta be one of the greatest puns of all times if you if you watch this. I mean, demon school, I mean, just overcome your his demons. I mean, okay, all right, I'll I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop. But yeah, you know, so the you know, the the question I have for y'all is can you overcome your worst fear? Can you? Is it do you think this is something that is possible to do? Now, I I'll be I'll be honest. I don't know if you can. I mean, part of me is like I feel like you can overcome your fear, but I feel like there's some part of it where it's so innate and, and embedded in your the fabric of your being that it's impossible for you to overcome that fear. And so uh, with that being said, I have to share with y'all my greatest fear. And I want to take a guess at what that might be. I mean, what do you think? What do you think my greatest fear might be? I think I might have said it on the show before. I'm not, I can't remember. Y'all know I, I have terrible memory, but um, heights, heights. Yes, I am definitely afraid of heights. You know, I have a severe fear of being very high in the air. Um, But, I'll, but I said the flip side of this is I'm perfectly fine when I'm in a plane, you know, I'm flying in a plane because I'm grounded. But it's moments where I'm up high in the air and I'm like on the edge of something to where I feel like I can fall down. That is where I'm petrified. Like <laughs> I literally turn into stone and become an immovable object. <laughs> and so, I mean, I want to give y'all kind of a short story time to kind of share with y'all why or kind of an example of how fearful I am when it comes down to heights. So I'm traveling to... Uh, a different city and um i get to the city i make arrangements to take public transportation and when i get uh get to the station i have to come down this escalator right and the escalator is goes very very far down i mean we're not talking about an escalator where there might be like you know let's say 15 rolling steps no this was an escalator that had probably I don't know, 150 rotating steps or something. It just felt like you felt like, I, at least for me, I felt like I was on that thing forever. And it was very steep, like, like very, like a very steep slant. And so I felt like I could just tip over, like someone slightly nudging me off the escalator. I felt like I could just go flying off and like, you know, not even like rolling onto the, the other steps, but literally like flying off and maybe, I don't know, parkouring across uh, 50, you know, escalator steps. That's how I felt. And so I was so scared coming down this escalator that I literally sat down on the steps, like literally sat down on the steps, covered my, like, you know, like kind of like Indian, not Indian style, but um, 
fetal position style, I guess, like sitting up fetal position. And I cover my eyes or put my head into my um, legs or my knees, I guess you could say, and cover up my eyes so I could not look down uh, from the escalator. Like that's how scared I was because any other way I was, I really, I felt faintish. Like in that moment, I felt like I was going to pass out any, any time. And I would have literally end up <laughs> falling down those steps. But yeah, so that, that's my, that's my greatest fear is, is heights. And man, I, I honestly, I try to avoid it at all times. And kind of how I dealt with that situation is, um, I spoke to a, um, I don't know, a conductor or a person that was kind of working at the, the public transportation area. And they told me, Oh, did you, you didn't know that there's a, there's a, a elevator like right there on the side and you can take that up and down to get, you know, to get into this area. And I was, I was so relieved after I heard that I was like, Oh, thank you. Because on the elevator at the very least, like if the, you know, there, it might not be glass walls. It might be like wood panels and stuff. And so I don't have to see what's down below. And that makes me feel a lot more comfortable, you know. But, you know, you see these um, clips or videos on social media where, you know, people are on these walking across these clear panels across uh, really high in the air, across, you know, different uh, foresty areas and stuff like that. No, nope, I can't do it. <laughs> no way ain't no way i could do that at all so yeah but you know so i, I mean it makes me think of you know what methods could i even do to overcome that like what 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 items what routines what training what could i do to overcome something as fearful for me as heights um i don't i really don't know i i, I can't think of a scenario where i would even be comfortable because even if I was training, you know, so let's say if um, maybe like crane training was something I could do. So like, you know, those lifts where people um, like, oh, like the people that do the jobs where they uh, have to get in, into those like crane um, bucket things and then they get pulled up to the windows of businesses and they wipe, you know, they pretty much like Windex the windows and wipe them clear, you know, so where they're they're they look good. There's no way, there's no way in hell I could do that job. <laughs> and you could, you could offer me billions of dollars and I would not do that job. And the thing about it is we want the bag. <laughs> like, like we really want the bag, but for that, no, it's, it's, it's not happening. I, I can't do it. So it just made me think like if I was doing some type of training like that, I would probably like I would pass out so many times. It would literally be like a reoccurring like episode or something where you're like, oh, he came to or he knocked right back out again. <laughs> Get the smelling sauce out. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is Spy Family, episode 25, titled First Contact. Now, in this episode of Spy Family, Damien Desmond contacts his oldest brother uh, to arrange, well, I shouldn't say oldest, rather his older brother, because we don't know if there are some other kids other than him, but uh, to, to arrange a meeting with his high-profile father 
who's also the president of the Nation, um, uh, Nation Unity Party, and also is Lloyd Forger's, aka Twilight's, primary target in his mission. Uh, and his father's name is Donovan Desmond. And so uncertain that his father would show up, Damien continues to wait with his friends at uh, their scheduled location that he talked about with his older brother. And, you know, he was greeted by Lloyd out of, out of all people. And Lloyd came uh, moments before his father Donovan arrived and in complete shock of seeing his father, Damien begins to think about multiple events uh, in his life that he would be willing to share with his father in hopes to confirm if his father cares about him at all. And I, I kind of felt bad for Damien, like, dang, like he's not receiving confirmation from his dad to know that he cares about him at all. Like what is happening in that household? Does CPS need to be contacted? <laughs> but no, so I, you know, seeking attention from parents, you know, what, you know, this, this is, uh, something I think that we've all done before. We all have seeked attention from our parents, whether it be our biological, adoptive, or guardian parents. Um, and it happens. And I, I feel like the reasons why we do seek that attention from our parents, and it, it firstly, it could be validation. You know, like you're, you know, they're validating us, our feelings, our 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 presence that's here, and making us feel whole you know and i do i feel like parents if anything they do that for us they make us feel like we matter in this world you know and um that's a, a very very important validation that we get very early in our lives right um but then also you know we see parents as superheroes and we kind of discussed this uh in our episode last week and so you know that doting that happens uh, from our parents that, you know, these superhero like figures make us feel closer to them. And, and, or, you know, I say also like by association, it's almost like, you know, you're gaining some of their powers because they're doting you and, and, and giving you that validation and attention and, and showing you that you care. And it's like, dang, like I might someday be like my mom, my dad, you know, or their others. And I, I think that's very important. Um, but then, you know, of course you have extreme attention seeking and, you know, I feel like these are moments that, you know, they, at least when it comes down to children, you know, you gotta be very careful uh, at the kind of the tall tale signs, uh, because that extreme attention, it could mean like the child's, you know, getting in trouble in school and it might be because they're not receiving enough ch attention from their parents. Uh, or maybe there's something that's going on in the household between the parents and it's affecting the children in different ways. And so there's so many different, uh, I guess you say like variables when it comes down to like extreme attention seeking. Uh, but then, I mean, you know, there could also be a child that's maybe very hyperactive and, you know, they need a little bit more quality time than, you know, the, the quote unquote normal child does, you know? And so, you know, being able to, um, you know, put them in a position to where they feel like they're being seen. You know, I feel like that could be a, probably a very difficult task, but, you know, a challenge that I think most parents will be up to. Um, but yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our next anime for discussion. 
And this actually is our last anime for discussion in our fall 2022 uh, season finale. <laughs> and that is... Season 6 of My Hero Academia, episode 126, titled Final Performance. Uh, now, in this episode, Mr. Compress, who is a villain that really doesn't get that much screen time, I would say. Uh, I feel like in the very beginning, you kind of see him. And then kind of after that, maybe kind of fall into season two, three-ish. You don't really get to see too much of him. Uh, but I guess you could say that's like the the villains as a whole. But he starts to share flashback moments of when the League of Villains formed uh, with Shigagaki. And, uh, you know, he pretty much had an understanding that, hey, you know, he is just a supporting character to help his cause. And, you know, trying to make the League of Villains uh, take action against the heroes and change the world. And I'm okay with being that supportive character. Like, I'm all right. Uh, and, it, you know, it made me think about support characters in anime. And, man, this episode was, it had so many layers, y'all. Like, un honestly, like, if you have not watched season six of My Hero Academia, do yourself a favor. It was supremely good. And this episode right here, it, it, it says a lot. Uh, some people will say that this might have been a somewhat of a boring episode, but I, I I feel very otherwise. This this episode had you know said a lot with saying kind of a little, I guess you could say. Um, and so you know the first layer of this is you know considering that the writers know that these characters are support characters. So when they wrote, uh, when the author wrote Mister Compress they knew right off the bat, okay, this is going to be a character that adds value to the storyline, but they're not going to be uh, the main antagonist, the main protagonist. Uh, you know, they're going to be just someone that kind of fills in a specific role. And, um, but here's the other side of that is you have this supporting character that's being written, but they're also acknowledging themselves as being a support character and i'm like man like how dope is that that they like that mr compress in this episode recognizes the position that he plays in this aside from like what the intention was from the author in the very beginning when it was when this uh, my hero academia was written and it's just man it's just superb writing and i just i, I love death and and things like this and when we have these type of discussions and so, you know, it kind of shows, I feel like this episode definitely shows the importance of support characters with death. Uh, and this is with anything. This is not just anime. This is movies. This is TV shows. This is all of that. Um, you know, you could, I'm sure there, there's many examples of different animes where they didn't have support characters that had a lot of depth to them. Um, they barely, fairly, uh, or I say, uh, didn't make too many appearances at all. And, you know, their screen time was very short. You know, it's, it's just, you didn't really hear much from them at all. And when you did hear from them, uh, it was kind of like those moments of, well, they're just really on the screen wasting time and they don't really have a very pivotal uh, place in this whole storyline at all. They're just literally wasting screen time. And unfortunately, especially like in like older animes, you know, if you go back to probably... 
uh, the 90s, you know, especially late 90s, uh, before uh, anime became a more uh, popular worldwide phenomenon that it is now. You know, a lot of these stories uh, didn't have like a lot of support characters with death in them. They really hyper focused around like the the protagonist and antagonist. And, you know, you have filler spots, but it, they didn't really serve a big purpose. Whereas today anime, modern anime, I feel like if, if any of these animes are going to go far and, and I'm sure that y'all will probably agree to this. When you think about your big animes like your um, Demon Slayer, like your... Um, you know, My Hero Academia, what we're talking about right now, um, let's see, uh, ReZero, Starting Life in Another World. All of these animes have a very, very, uh, uh, I'm not going to say necessarily it has to be a huge support cast, but those support characters have a lot of depth and backstory to them that really fill in the story and make, you know, the whole watching experience that much better because you get to connect, be connected to each character that kind of pretty much comes on the screen, you know, and even if not, you know, that at some moment in future episodes, most likely we're going to get a little bit more background information on the importance of this character or what they, what role they might serve in the storyline as a whole. So yeah, like I'm, I'm just a, I'm a huge, um, a fan when it comes down to you know just sharing characters that have something to offer i mean that's really when you're building out the plot you're building out the story you know if you're going to put somebody on the screen for me to watch i want to have some type of connection with them even if i don't like the character at all you know they might uh, they might be the type that have the personality where they're annoying and uh you know very boasty and stuff like that and those usually be the archetypes that I don't like too much in anime. Um, or maybe like the, even the more like very reserved and quiet people. <laughs> but yeah, like you, it, they, you know, when it serves some type of purpose, it just makes the experience that much better when you're watching uh, it or reading it, you know, for those that uh, read mangas as well. So all good. Okay, well, hey, you know, listeners that are uh, on our DSPs, wherever you get your bingo book podcast from, that is the end of our uh, fall 2022 anime season. We really appreciate that y'all support. Thank you very much for listening in. Uh, you know, we're definitely going to be coming back in the coming week. So definitely make sure that you hit the subscribe, your plus button, anything that you can follow us. Uh, for when we drop our next bit of content. Uh, however, you know, if you are someone that's watching us on our live stream, when it comes down to our YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook live stream pages, hey, stick around because we will be returning with the character analysis for My Hero Academia. And this is where you get to guess which character that we'll be covering. Um, it's kind of like a, 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 a guess that who's that Pokemon type of thing. <laughs> and uh, then we'll also look at their seven unique attributes and we'll rank them, you know, pretty much from like worst to best uh, in each of those those aspects of the character. Um, we'll also be doing a BBB, <laughs> BBB, <laughs> BBP anime tier list for the fall 2022 anime. Uh, we'll also do a BBP top five anime uh, list for 2022 and then we'll wrap it all up by previewing 
anime that's coming out for winter 2023. Hey, do not touch that screen. I hope that you stick around. We'll be right back with the character analysis. I'm going to go on a quick break. Uh, be back in about mm, two minutes.